Okay, there's been a lot happening this morning. You can take a breath. It's going to be okay. Um, Errol especially, please go and breathe. God is moving. God is talking. God is not silent. Thank goodness for that. And um, Sheldon, uh, bless him. The travel for this year is looking quite intense. And uh, this, um, I don't even know what to call it really. Um, I want to say camp, but it's this gathering of men that Arno Fanikak, who wrote the book Enough and in Afrikaans Genoeg, um, he felt God say, I, w- I need you to gather men ar- from across the country to come together to start speaking into the things that we are facing in our nation. Um, and Arno sat with a list of 4,000 men. And out of that 4,000, God said, these are the 300 that I want. So much like with Gideon's army, this is what God is doing. We know that God t- uses the little to change the much. Okay, it's not about a numbers game. It's not about having the bigger and the best. He really needs very little, just a a heart or two that are for him, and he can change the nation. Um, My dear husband, Shem, he did get uh, hit with a stomach bug over the weekend as well, so he really, it's it's been interesting. But um, he sent me a picture of some things that these men had written down that they're wanting to go after. And um, it says here, mankind was given lordship over things, but not over each other, never over women. The domination is not right. Our male species will not be free until our females are set free. As a woman in this country and in this nation, my heart leapt. And if you are sitting here thinking, oh, well, they just gathered the men. It's just the men. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's an order in heaven. There's an order in heaven. The men are equipped and built to fight and go to war. I can go to war. I can war. But I can only war for so long because I'm not built to war for ages. Men are built to war for ages. There is a, there's something about... God gathering the men in this nation, bringing them together, and them going after things in the Spirit to set us free. I'm not less than, and I'm not that I'm not needed. I'm there, I'm up front too, but I can't be in the cold face for too long. I'm not actually built for that as a woman. I'm built for the homestead. I'm built to raise the kids. It's silent because that's not what we've been told. And also now I'm totally diverting off my notes. Stick to what is at hand. <sighs> yeah. Something came out of this, um, this camp, and I was like, I didn't get it wrong. So often I will say things, and at the t- in the moment I'm very convinced God told me, and then five minutes later I'm like, Oof, I made that up. I totally made that up. That wasn't me. But what came out of this camp is the men standing up and saying, we're at 1994 again in this country. This is what they're feeling. This is what they're saying. I breathe a sigh of relief. If 300 other people are saying that, then it's fine. We are at 1994. Things are happening. Now, what's also interesting is that um, you've heard of Jehovah's Sneaky, right? So Jehovah's Sneaky, he, he likes to just spring things on you. And he knows he has to do that with me because I'm resistant to just about everything. I, I'm very like, I'm actually an introvert. I know, you're shocked. 
I know, I'm actually an introvert. I like to keep to myself. So I wasn't meant to be preaching again, yet here I am. And it would seem that um, God seems to be having me on the series of the Ecclesia. Um, it's quite interesting when you are preaching and then you realize, oh, we're actually doing a series now. That's the only way he could get me to do it. And the part of the Ecclesia that I want to talk today is about the part of, and I felt it in the week when God was speaking to me, he said, I cannot have my Ecclesia being the walking wounded. Now, the walking wounded, if you go to a triage in a hospital, the walking wounded are the low priority. doesn't mean you can actually even have a gunshot, and you'll still be able to walk, you're the walking wounded. You're low priority, okay? But as the church, over the past decades, we have been the walking wounded for far too long. And now the call is coming for the ecclesia to arise, and people are struggling to get out of their seats. Last week, I brought a word in the worship I'd felt the Spirit moving, and I felt God calling, calling, saying, come, come, I'm calling you out, respond to me. Mm -hmm. I I had a great moment on the floor with God, and I I thought there were other people behind me, but when I got up, I realized there wasn't. And that wasn't a, oh, no one responded. God wanted to show me something. There was no response. It doesn't mean you could have responded in your heart, and that's absolutely fine, But the point that God is trying to make is that I'm calling and my people are wounded. My people are tired. That they want to, but the the thought of now, okay, I'll respond again. I'm so tired. You see, I'm going to go to, and and this is another thing. um, When I was thinking about all of this, I had a scripture come to mind, and then it was like, oh, that's such a used scripture. When you preach, you don't want, you want to pull out the gold in the Bible that no one's seen before, you know? Everyone's seen it before. You just get a different perspective on it. And so I'm reading out of 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 to 5. This is David in the, in the cave of Adullam. Um, my, Claire said to me, oh, you, uh, this, is your, this is your Bible. I said, no, I bring it as a prop because um, I think I, there's some of you fear that I don't ever open the Bible. I do. It's just very easy when wings are on one screen for me. But here's my Bible, and I do read it. So reading from verse 1, it says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone, everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became a commander over them. And there was with him about 400 men. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. And he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet of Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold, depart, and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. What God was wanting to point out was the people that had joined David. Three very distinct things were about these people. They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontented. And I found a commentary um, online, and I just love the way this man explained um, these people. He said, these men were in debt. They hadn't seen a lot of success in the past and were stung from their past failures. They had problems of their own. Yet God called them to David at the Adullam cave. 
Adalim is, it means refuge or safe hiding place, okay? These men were discontented. The Hebrew word for discontented means bitter of soul. They knew the bitterness of life. They were not satisfied with their lives or with King Saul. They wanted something different and something better, and God called them to David at the Adalim cave. These men all came to David when he was down and out, hunted and despised. Once David came to the throne, there were a lot of people who wanted to be around him. Yet the glory of these 400 is that they came to David in the cave. So there's three types of people we've got here. Distress, in debt, and bitter in soul. And there's also three reasons that I felt God say, there's three reasons my, my people are not wanting to respond. Not, not that you're not wanting to respond, but there's a, something holding you back from actually fully stepping into what he's calling us to do. Fear, self-doubt, my arch nemesis is self-doubt, and sin. You see, when it comes to fear, this is where the enemy, this is his playground. You see, if you've stepped out for God before, and many of us have over many years, you step out for God, and quite literally, all hell breaks loose. And you have been tortured, traumatized, all sorts of things. You have really been there, done that. You have been through the most shocking church leadership, traumatic relationships, and you might have done it and seen it all. And now the call comes... I can very much understand why you're going, I don't think so. Then there's self-doubt. When God speaks, the first thing to come in that the enemy brings is doubt. Did he really say? That's from his playbook right back in Genesis with Eve. Did God really say you couldn't eat from the tree? And you stop and you're like, oh, I don't know. Did he? Maybe. I'm not sure. There is this lack of belief in what you hear from God or that you even hear from God. And then there's the obvious one, is sin. You see, he shines the light not to shame you, but to heal you. And you know, we're in a time now that has never been before. There are elements that we recognize of this time, but it is not exactly how other times have been. And I want to give you the T's and C's. You know that little block that we always tick and we never read it? I need to give you the T's and C's of the season we're in. And the T's and C's of the season that we are in is that if you have sin in your life, and sin covers everything, it could be your way of thinking, it could be you might be stealing some stuff on the side. It might be that you um, are watching things you shouldn't be watching. You know what it is. Okay, we're not dumb. You know what it is. The season we're in now, it's serious. So when God says, I want to shine on you so I can heal you, you need to respond. Because what will begin to happen, and I'm watching it across churches worldwide at the moment, the number of men who have led churches for years and years, the things from pedophilia to affairs to all sorts of things are coming out now. That is the season we're in. So if you don't want to be exposed, you need to repent and you need to get right before God. Because in this house, I've seen it. 
I've seen the light begin to shine. Some people welcome it, some people run from it. It's your choice at the end of the day. I just want to give you the T's and C's. So you can't say, but you didn't tell me it would look like this. It's going to look like that, okay? So tick the box, you've read it. So we're in a time of the worldwide ecclesia coming together. Now, <laughs> the ecclesia is not that God like went to the marketing department in heaven, who I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit heads up because he's incredibly dramatic and he has a flair for the exuberant. I'm pretty sure God didn't go to the Holy Spirit, hey, 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 listen up, um, we've got to get the people excited again, you know, that we've got to have like a buzzword, you know, like hashtag, we've got to get them, you know, we've got to get them to buy into what we want to do now, not hashtag ecclesia, okay, now this is the thing we're going to do. The ecclesia has always been, the ecclesia has always been, this is now our time to step into the call, to fulfill our role and play our part in history. What is the, what is the, what is the mandate of the Ecclesia? To fulfill our kingdom expansion mandate, however that may look. And let me tell you, it's not in the four walls of the church. It's out there. There happen to be seven mountains. Don't know if you've heard about them. You see, when, when there seems to be this misconception that when Satan was um, cast down from heaven, God just said, okay, well, we just get rid of, yeah, you have the earth. You, yeah, you just take that and shush. He never gave Satan authority over the earth. He get, the only authority Satan has is in the systems of this world because that's what he created. But God, nothing goes, nothing goes without him noticing and knowing what to do. So therefore, he instituted the ecclesia. And the ecclesia are given the authority to legislate into those worldly systems that heaven's order can still come into a worldly system that the enemy thinks he has won at. So when Pat is sharing about prostitution, if you're part of your thinking as well, sure, these women... They need to make a living, maybe. But you see, what's happening is the fabric of society has been broken down to such a part where we're actually wanting not only to decriminalize prostitution, but pedophilia. Yeah. Once you begin to remove the structures that God has put in place, society begins to crumble. And that is a line I remember from Assemblies of God days. And I was the ripe old age of nine or ten. I remember the pastor saying, the fabric of society is crumbling. That was in the 80s. Now, I, I think we're past crumbling. I, I think we're on threads on the floor at the moment when I look around. So it means the ecclesia have to rise and make a noise. So where you've got 300 men sitting in the middle of nowhere, Bloemfontein, somewhere, that's the ecclesia coming together. That's the Ecclesia making a noise, saying, ah, no, we're going after this. We're going after that. Sheldon um, put a list on the uh, screens, was it last week or the week? Last week. Last week. About the different ministries that we have in the Bay. I was like, yup, didn't realize. A few interesting thing ha things happened. And I want to address, firstly, our older generation. 
one of the older generation came to Sheldon and said, we so want to be involved, but we're old. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> and she said, I, I, don't, I can't really do anything in the church, but at, at our retirement village, you know, we're praying with people and we're, we're standing with people and that's, that's being the ecclesia. Being the ecclesia isn't that you run the kids' ministry or you're doing something in the church. It means you're doing what God has told you to do where he has told you to do it. And, I'm, you know, one thing that, that growing up, you, you, you're, always, you're always told about the previous generation, like they got it so wrong and the issues we're dealing with today is because the previous generation stuffed it up. Well, I'm going to say poppy coddles to that. Because here's the thing, if it weren't for the previous generation, if I didn't have the parents that I had, I would not be here. If I didn't have the generation that went before, we wouldn't have the move of the spirit. Do you know that there was a time where you weren't even allowed to clap your hands, let alone speak in tongues in the church? It wasn't allowed. And there was a generation of Ecclesia that stepped up and went, no, we're not going to have that. We're fighting for the things of the spirit. My in-laws that planted this church 30 years ago, that was their fight. I am standing quite firmly on the foundation of the ceiling they left me. And my kids will stand on my ceiling, and they will build. So we're going to stop looking at the previous generation and blaming them for all our issues. Stand up and take responsibility for yourself. Enough. This victimhood... This victimhood, I'm coming after it. I won't have it. Fantastic um, little scientific experiment was done. Well, not scientific, but a social experiment. They brought three women in, and they said to these women, "You you are going to go and do a job interview. But we just want to assess discrimination in the workplace. So we're going to put a scar with makeup on your faces and just see when you go for the interview if there's some discrimination against you because you have a massive scar on your face. So they went into makeup and they had the, this fake scar put on and they saw it in the mirror. And, uh, and as these women were let out, now there's no mirrors now, they said, oh, we just want to touch up the scar. And they removed the scar off the woman's faces, but the woman didn't know the scar had been removed. They went into the interview, and then after the interview, they sat down and said, now, what did you feel? And these women were like, I, I just felt like the only thing this person could look at was what was on my face, was the scar. And I just felt the questions they were asking me was just all to do with how I looked or, or whatever. Ding, ding, ding. Anybody have, so we have a winner. We have a winner, winner, chicken dinner, don't we? If you're told you're a victim long enough, everything you do, everything somebody says to you, everything that you encounter, you see through that filter. And it's distortion. God removes those distorted things. And then we're able to receive the truth. And we are not victims. Younger generation, you are not victims. Stand up and be counted. Oh yeah, going off on tangents. Older generation, respect to you. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. One of the biggest blessings in this church is not only our diversity, it's our multi-generational situation. 
I go to a lot. I've seen to some churches. It's either young, or it's old, or it's white, or it's black. We're blessed. Are we blessed, Bay City Church? Are we a blessed people? We look like South Africa. And if you want to ask, well, what did you do to make this happen? Nothing. <laughs> the Holy Spirit did it all. Amen. Our hearts were just open to what he wanted to do. Now there's another group of people. You have probably joined this church, I would say, in the last 18 months, or you've been visiting, and you saw up on the screens a list of things to do. And your wife or your husband may have nudged you and said, sign up. This is what I want to say to you. Relax. Relax. Okay? We're in a time of urgency. doesn't mean you have to sign up and do everything. Chill. Okay? Because there's a wineskin here. If you've joined us, you come with a different wineskin. It's not that we're going to make you into us. But what happens with old wineskins when you pour new wine into it? Not only do they break, they spill the wine. Yes. You don't want to be spilling the wine. Okay, Cape Townians, we know that. You treasure good wine. So what's the process of a wineskin? An old, they don't just generate on a, a line of just new wineskins. They take the old wineskin, the empty one, and they put it in water, and it soaks. And all the sediment removes itself. And they take it out and they let it dry. And then they take oil and they rub the oil. They massage the oil into the wineskin. And then that wineskin is ready to receive the new wine. If you're new, trust the process. However, you could be new and you're like, I'm so ready to go. I feel God's calling me. That's cool. Go for it. But only do it if he tells you to do it. Okay? We don't run on the affirmations of man here. It just doesn't exist in this church. You don't impress me if you do a thousand things in the church. Then we have folk. You're ready. Deep down you've known you've been ready for a long time. But you're resisting because of fear. You're resisting because there's some self-doubt. And I just felt God say, don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. If he's called you and you can feel it, don't miss it. Just step out. You're not going to fall flat on your face. And even if you do, it's not the end of the world. I was having a conversation with my son. We're going through some disciplinary things as you do as a parent. And... Um, He's feeling incredibly overwhelmed going into grade five and the fast pace of things. And, you know, Sheldon and I have had to tighten the screws as you do sometimes with your kids, just pull in the reins a bit to get them to where they need to go. And there was this thing of him feeling he had to be perfect. Perfection was required. And I was like, huh? Never, ever put that on my kid, perfection. But he was feeling that. And I feel as God's people, we feel like there has to be perfection in how we serve God. And what I said to my son is, I said, you know what? You know, the human experience is all about falling down, getting back up again, dusting yourself off, repenting if you need to repent, say sorry, 
even to your children, if you have mucked up, you say sorry to your children. It's a very powerful thing. You say sorry, you dust yourself off, and you do better the next time, and you try harder the next time. And if you fall down again, you get up again, and you keep going forward. That's, that's the perfect human experience. You're going to fall down. And if you fall down in this space with us, no one's going to come down hard on you. We're going to walk it with you. Actually, there's probably a lot of people that come next to you and will help you up and say, I did that too. It's going to be okay. Let's keep going. That's the ecclesia, folks. That's the ecclesia. We're not perfect people doing the perfect thing. The only thing that's perfect is Jesus. The only thing that's perfect is his kingdom. The only thing that's perfect is eternal. So please remove that. You know, a couple of uh, preachers ago, um, ooh, couldn't have been last year, I spoke about the, p- the people on the fringe. You know, you always get those fringe folk. They just cut, they have a little lip, and then they're like out, and a little look. And I remember saying, if you're going to be a, friend, a fringe dweller in a community, you get fringe benefits. Here's some more T's and C's. Fringe days are over. They're done. You can continue to be fringe, but this ecclesia, we're moving, and you won't get to move with us. It's, I know it's heavy. I'm, I'm not. I know I'm not. I'm not being the usual funny, crack a few jokes, do a few voices person, because I feel the somberness of what God is wanting to say to us. I feel the somberness of where He is calling us to. And I've got to, we've got to get serious. We have to be in submission to him and where he wants to go and how he wants to do it. But I've got some really good news for you. All of this, the coming out of the cave, the dealing with your sin, your self-doubt, your fear, the falling down, the getting up, it's all done in his presence. And when it's dealt with in his presence and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will never be the same again. You know what else is done in his spirit and in his presence? The ability and the authority to legislate as the ecclesia. We do nothing here without his presence. This church is built on that. This is our foundation. I will never move from it. We were built off the the scripture. We launched off the scripture. I wasn't here for the launch. I've been here a long time. I wasn't here for the launch. I've been out of the 30 years. I've been here 24, going into 25 years. But the scripture that God gave my father-in-law was out of Zechariah uh, 4, 6, which we know. It says, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And as I read that, I felt God say, I want you to read further because there's a part in here that I felt God has said, this is where you are at now, Bay City Church. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid the shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven, are, these, these seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range throughout the whole earth. And the part which God highlighted to me was, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundations of this house. His hands shall also complete it. 
And what I'm taking out of that for you is that the foundations of this house have been built for 30 years. These foundations are thick, these foundations are wide, and these foundations are deep. If you know anything about buildings, the deeper, the wider the foundations, the bigger the building. And I felt God say, Bay City Church, your hands have laid the foundations of this house, and your hands shall also complete it. What was sobering for me is that I don't think I will see the finishing of this house. I've got to pass that on to the next generation. But I know what my part is now. I think some walls have got to go up. And that all speaks back into what I was speaking about, Nehemiah. What part of the wall are you going to build? What part of the wall are you and your family going to build? And when we go back to the cave of Adullam, if we go to 1 Chronicles 12, verse 8, it says, From the Gadites they went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty and experienced warriors, expert with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. Those were the same distressed, in-debt, discontented men. They had the skills, but now, because they had said yes, and they had come out of the cave and fought the fights that God had told them to fight, they now had faces of lions. Today, I feel there's a coming out of the cave. There has to be a response. Don't respond because of me. You respond because of God. He wants to make your faces like lions, which was probably prayed about in the pre-meeting before. Faces of lions. If we are going to take this nation, if we're going to take this city, if we're going to stand up and make a noise as the ecclesia because we feel we want kingdom expansion in our country, you've got to come out of the cave. So, uh, Tina, I'm going to ask if you would come, come back up. And uh, Errol briefly mentioned the, the commitment cards. If you weren't here, Sheldon had felt to put cards out with pens and you were going to write down, we don't do New Year's resolutions, let's be honest. If, you've stuck to, if you have stuck to a New Year's resolution for like five months, please come speak to me because teach me your ways. <laughs> like my New Year's resolution every year is I'm going to journal this year. I'm gonna, and I go out and I buy the most beautiful journal and it's got a scripture and it's got a prophetic meaning to it and I last a total of five days. I have 75 journals at home, just so you know. <laughs> No, not every year. I like have a thing of like, oh, I'll get a journal now. Now's the time to journal. Anyway, so my commitment is I'm actually going to fill this book with preachers. We're doing quite well. But children want you to write down your commitment. What is your commitment this year? I wrote down somewhat boldly uh, last week, as we are with our resolutions, we like to be quite bold, to call out and teach the ecclesia. That's what I feel my commitment is this year. I've got to speak more. It's not my natural thing to do, even though you think, gee, but you do speak a lot. It's not my natural go-to. In this time, when Tino's going to come up and we're going to sing, even that present song that we did is also perfect, you know. The holy moment one. You know which one I mean. Um, there has to be a response. 
And that means if you want to come up and say, Lord, okay, I'm coming out of the cave. If that means you want to take a piece of that card that you maybe didn't fill out or you, th you, took, it, oh, this, you took it home there. You took the card home and you're like, I'm going to pray about it all week. And then you came this morning you're like, ooh, card's still blank. Come and fill in the card. And in June, we're going to relook at the cards. We're not going to wait a year. We're going to relook at the cards. So would you stand with me, please? We're going to do a declaration. Thanks, Daniel, if you could get that up for me. And we're going to sing, and we're going to create a space for you to respond. Okay, I think the scripture's at the end. That's okay. All right. Here we go. Today, we decree that you rise up as a mighty warrior of the spirit like Gideon. We speak a spirit of valor upon you right now. We declare you will not back down from the operations of the enemy that would work to intimidate, manipulate, or control you. We say that you are well equipped to wage war with the weapons of might that will pull down strongholds. We prophesy that you are rooted and grounded in love and that you shall never stumble or become offended by any fiery darts of the wicked. We declare that your faith will not fail. May you be surrounded with assurance and confidence that God is with you and he shall not allow you to fall or be defeated. We say it so in Jesus' name. Amen.